0: In just a moment, you'll hear an address by the Honorable Adlai E. Stevenson. But first, a word about the 1954 Red Cross Drive. Calls for help come to the Red Cross every minute of every day. By joining your Red Cross, you make sure these urgent appeals will be answered. Through Red Cross, each American as an individual can do his part for humanity.
1: On March 6th, 1954... 1952 Democrat presidential nominee Adlai Stevenson gave a dinner speech at the Florida DNC. In 1952, Stevenson was a heavy underdog against Dwight Eisenhower. He carried only nine states, but did get more than 44 percent of the popular vote.
0: For whose work in behalf of our country and our party, we are all grateful.
1: He was quick to lash out at the McCarthy-driven political state of affairs. There were many who feared the Red Scare would destroy the country, and the divisions felt between Americans were so deep they might never be repaired.
0: Toastmaster, Governor John, Senator Sparkman, honored guests, and ladies and gentlemen. Your introduction, Senator Sparkman, and your welcome here in Miami has touched me deeply, which I suppose is something that we all have in common at this very expensive dinner. This has been a fateful week in the history of American government. We are witnessing the bitter harvest from the seeds of slander, defamation, and disunion planted in the soil of our democracy. I don't propose to respond in kind tonight to the calculated campaign of deceit to which we have been exposed of late, nor to the insensate attacks on Democrats as traitors, communists, and murderers of our sons. Those of us, and they are most of us, who are more Americans than Democrats or Republicans, count some things more important than the winning or the losing of election. <clears throat> there is a peace still to be won, an economy which needs some attention, some freedoms to be secured, an atom to be controlled, all through the delicate, sensitive, indispensable mechanisms of democracy. Mechanisms which demand, at the very least, that people's vision be clear, that they be told the truth, and that they respect one another. A year ago, at this time, there was every reason to hope that we were on the threshold of an era of great good feeling among Americans. Yet today, where we hope for harmony, we have discord. Where we yearn for healing, we have hostility. Where we look forward to a nation united, we have a people divided. Where we expected candor, we have misrepresentation. Where we expected firm leadership, we have timidity. It is wicked, it is subversive for public officials to try deliberately to replace reason with passion, to substitute hatred for honest difference to fulfill campaign promises by practicing deception and to hide discord among Republicans by sowing the dragon's teeth of discord among Americans. The loyalty, the patriotism of a whole political party, of one half of the nation, has been indicted. Twenty years of bipartisan effort highly intelligent, and highly successful, has been called 20 years of treason under the auspices, if you please, of the Republican National Committee. When one party says that the other is the party of traitors who have deliberately conspired to betray America, to fill our government services with communists and with spies, to send our young men to unnecessary death in Korea, They violate not only the limits of partisanship, not only they also offend the credulity of our people, and they also stain the vision of America and of democracy for us and for the world that we seek to lead. That such things are said under the official sponsorship of the Republican Party in celebration of the birthday of Abraham Lincoln, adds desecration to defamation. This is the first time that politicians, Republicans at that, have sought to split the union in Lincoln's honor. (laughs) This system of ours... is wholly dependent upon a mutual confidence in the loyalty, the patriotism, the integrity of purpose of both parties. Extremism produces extremism. Lies beget lies. The infection of bitterness and of hatred spreads all too quickly uh, from one area of another to another of our life. And those who live by the sword of slander may also perish by it. For now, it is also being used against distinguished Republicans. We have just seen the sorry spectacle of this in the baseless charges hurled against our honored Chief Justice. And now, too, the highest officials of the Pentagon are charged with cuddling communists and shielding treason. General Zwicker, One of our great army's finest officers is denounced by Senator McCarthy as stupid, arrogant, witless, as unfit to be an officer, and a disgrace to the uniform. For what? For obeying orders. This to a man who has been decorated 13 times for gallantry and for brilliance, a hero of the Battle of the Bulge, and this from a man whom the Republican National Committee sends around the country to sow slander and disunion in memory of Abraham Lincoln. When demagoguery and deceit become a national political movement, we Americans are in trouble, not just Democrats, but all of us. Our State Department has been abused and demoralized. The American voice abroad has been enfeebled. Our educational system has been attacked. Our press threatened our servants of God impugned, a former president maligned, the executive departments invaded, our foreign policy confused, the president himself patronized, and now the integrity, the loyalty, the morale of the United States Army has been assailed. For a moment it looked as if this most recent audacity would at last meet effective resistance. But instead, well, what I might say, as a democratic partisan, would have little value. But the pattern of this long series of aggressions against the republic is clear, and the consequences terrible. The logic of all this not only is not only the intimidation and silence of all independent institutions and opinion in our society, but the capture of one of our great instruments of political action, the Republican Party. And the end result, in short, is a malign and a fatal totalitarianism. And why, you ask, have the demagogues triumphed so often? The answer is inescapable, because a group of political plungers has persuaded the president that McCarthyism is the best Republican formula for political success. Had the Eisenhower administration chosen to act in defense of itself and of the nation which it must govern, it would have had the grateful and the dedicated support of all but a tiny and deluded minority of our people.
1: Stevenson would again receive the Democrat nomination in 1956. He'd lose, this time carrying only seven states and receiving 42% of the popular vote.
0: Why? Because the party which created the administration is hopelessly, dismally, fatally torn and rent
1: within its.